Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. This is episode 87 of Fireside Nets, Nick. That's a special number. Is it? I'm not really sure. Actually, Rob Gronkowski is number 87. He crushed it in fantasy for me this week. Shout out Gronk. A lot of people think that he is the most important player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And by a lot of people, I mean Dan Orlovsky. All right. I also want to brag that I had Leonard Fournette who put up a 40-burger. Brag away. It's been a long week as a Nets fan, Nick. We only had three games. We spoke about the Cavaliers' win on Monday, and that was last episode, so we're not going to talk about that game, but we're going to talk the Suns' loss, and we're going to talk the Celtics' win. We have to start with some tough news. It was announced on Monday after practice. Steve Nash met with the media, and he said that Joe Harris – will likely be out four to eight weeks after having ankle surgery earlier in the day. Um, Actually, that's not what he said. His agent said four to eight weeks is the recovery time. But the procedure was to remove a bone particle from Harris's left ankle. Nash said he's confident he'll eventually come back and be just as effective. But, Nick, how big of a blow is this to lose Joe for what now seems it's going to be multiple weeks? You know, it's disappointing because last report I read a few weeks ago was he could he could potentially be back for the 27th of November, which had just passed when we lost to the Suns, which I know we'll get into. So that was his expected return date. Then they discovered this, what Nash did describe as a, and you didn't say this word, little bone particle, which is reassuring, which I was surprised to see four to eight weeks after surgery. You're like, no way. How do you recover that quickly? Uh, it seems to be extremely, extremely minor. What I will say, because obviously we have to find the positive in everything, which is a more so you thing than me, but I'll try to do it in this situation. We have a bunch of guys that we'll get into on this team stepping up in Joe Harris's absence. Absinthe, in Joe Harris's absence. He loves absent though, his drink of choice. Uh, and I just want to point out my roommate, who is a diehard Celtics fan, watched the Celtics-Nets game, which we'll get into, and said, I don't think I've ever seen Patty Mills miss a three. So we'll get into that, but obviously a good sign that guys are stepping up and uh, you know filling the void that our sharpshooter Joe uh, left behind with his injury. Yeah, I, I mean, he just gives us another weapon in our arsenal. He can hit open threes. Um, as you saw against Phoenix, you know, the Nets have nights where they struggle from three-point land. And, and as great as Mills is, Mills can go a little cold. Kevin Durant's a great three-point shooter. But outside of those two guys, you know, Harden's been inconsistent. Bruce Brown and DeAndre Bembry aren't three-point shooters. Javon Carter is very streaky. Uh, Cam Thomas, in his limited action, his mid-range has been better than his three-point game, let's face it. so his adding floater. He is the floater. Nice, he, he does have a nice floater. Um, adding a Joe Harris to give you that depth of three-point shooters, it's huge. And not having him, you know, it's like if the Heat lost Duncan Robinson the same effect who is not having a great season thus far he is not all right nick we move from one injured net who's a little bit further away from a return to our trusted center nick claxton who
who Nash says is almost back. He was seen doing conditioning work. Uh, probably not this week, Nash says, but possibly next week. Have you been missing the Klaxman as much as I have? I think we both have, man. I think all Nets fans have, and I know we'll get into Blake Griffin's two DNPs in these back-to-back games, but we need someone to blow, <laughs> to give Aldridge a blow. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. We yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know so, what you're going to say. Let's avoid that. Aldridge has looked incredible. Mid-range specialist. He's the big man we kind of need who could score. He could rebound. Uh, obviously, he's not kind of a, a pure center. He's not that big body that Claxton is. So we do need uh, someone to uh, complement Aldridge or supplement Aldridge's time. It has not, unfortunately, been Blake Griffin anymore due to his lack of scoring, due to his inefficient offense. Really, I know we kept complimenting Blake Griffin on taking charges, but that is literally the only asset he has shown in the first, what is this now, uh, 20 games 20. of the season? We're 14 and 6, right? First place in the East, one game ahead of the Heat. 20 games into the season, and we had to bench, bench Blake Griffin. So Claxton is going to be huge, uh, and we need it. We you know, we got rid of Jared Allen for a reason, to get all these guards, to get these better players. We need a young Claxton to step up uh, and relieve some of the, the uh, hard work of Lamarcus Aldridge. And it's not just Blake Griffin. I mean, the Nets tried to insert Paul Millsap in the lineup against Phoenix. He did not look great either. Um, what does Nick Claxton have – the ability to do that Blake, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Paul Millsap can't. He's a bang guy. Okay, they're all essentially bang guys with the exception of Millsap, but Claxton is quick on his feet. So, you know, we'll get deep into Phoenix, but one of the things that killed us is you mentioned LaMarcus Aldridge can't play the entire game. So you're going to need to bench him and put in another five, and unfortunately for us, Millsap's not the answer. You really don't want to see KD at the five because then that forces – Durant to have to play defense against the DeAndre Aytons, the Giannis's, the, these these bigger players that he shouldn't have to defend. Um, but back to my my original point, Claxton can at least move his feet quick enough to stay in front of guards, to stay in front of. Well, know, Claxton is essentially a a, a more a, a less groomed, more amateur uh, Jared Allen in a sense, right. build wise, body wise, right. and Jared Allen runs the floor. Right. Well, what my, my point was this. You saw LaMarcus Aldridge get killed time and time and time again in that Suns game f- because he was switched on to Chris Paul. Chris Paul was like barbecue chicken, boom, mid-range floater in. Same with Devin Booker. Devin Booker got the ball, got the switch, bang, three-pointer in your face. Campaign. It didn't matter. The Suns took turns picking on LaMarcus Aldridge. And guess what, Nick? Before it was LaMarcus Aldridge, it was Blake Griffin. If you remember that Warriors game, Steph was picking on Blake Griffin. What Claxton does from a defensive standpoint, he comes in and he is someone who can guard one to five because he's quick enough to do so. So that is the big reason that I miss Clax. I think he can hang out. I think he can hang out. I think he can really contribute in these games where, let's face it, you know, we don't want to see LaMarcus or Blake Griffin on it, Chris Paul. We don't want to see these guys on a Devin Booker or switched on to a Giannis. It's too easy. So if you can split the game between LaMarcus and Claxton, in one sense, you have instant offense in Aldridge. He's been phenomenal this year. Um, great, really good game against the Celtics. That was his first start. And then he followed it up with a pretty actually good performance against Phoenix as well. Uh, but if you can get Clax back, obviously Millsap and Griffin – just haven't given you what you've wanted no. from that backup five position. 
they're, they're both a little washed up. And the last thing I'll say, because I know we're about to get into the Suns game first. Yes, correct. Uh, is that we need Claxton to be what JaVal McGee is for the Suns, right? That backup five comes off the bench, gets a solid 15 to 20 minutes. And I mean, McGee roasted us with 10 and yeah. 10, double-double. You don't see JaVal McGee putting up too many double-doubles these days towards the latter end of his career. So that's the type of performance we need. Uh, it's not asking for much. We're not asking for another Aldridge. We're not asking for a DeAndre Ayton type to come in off the bench. But literally that 15-minute mark, rebounding the ball, defending, giving our guys a blow, that's really all we need from Claxton. And I think at this point in his career, he is still young. He's still being groomed, but he could provide that. All right, so let's get into it. Suns 113, Nets 107. Very, very, very hyped up matchup that ended up being really one-sided. I mean, despite the Nets making a comeback and outscoring the Suns 35-23 to in the fourth quarter, this really wasn't a game, and it wasn't a game for a lot of reasons. The Suns came out scorching hot. They put up 34 in that first quarter. Devin Booker, I think, had something in between 11 or 16. I think he had 16 in the first quarter. Yeah. 16 in the first quarter. He ended up with 30 for the game. Uh, shot 50% from the field, four of six from three and eight of eight from the line. A really good game for Booker. Uh, and then on our side, I mean, James Harden had probably the worst game I've ever seen him play as a Brooklyn net somehow ended up with a triple double, which is the most misleading bullshit triple double I've ever seen in my life, but he was downright awful in this one. Uh, and we'll get to Harden in a little bit because he was booed by the home crowd, which is something that really doesn't happen to net superstars. The nets had a million turnovers. Obviously I'm exaggerating, they, they had 20 turnovers, 20 turnovers as, a, as a team. That's a lot of turnovers. Uh, Their average on the had, season's around 13, 14. Harden had seven of those turnovers himself. He played 40 minutes. Uh, his stat line was 12 points, 13 rebounds, and 14 assists, but almost had a quadruple double with the turnovers. And then you had Mikael Bridges on the other side of the, the, the ball. He had seven steals, Nick. So not only did the Suns come out scorching hot, not only did Booker have a day, they defended the hell out of us. They turned us over a million times. And our superstar point guard slash shooting guard, whatever you want to call him, played like shit. So that was the reason this was not a game, in my opinion. I mean, I told you, who did I say were the two teams in the NBA that were still bad at us at this point? We're third. Who are the two teams? You said the Warriors and the Suns? Yeah. And I said purely because of chemistry. The Suns just look good playing together. And I got to be honest, Chris Paul – lights out the dude literally at this point in his career doesn't miss a mid-range jumper which is funny because when the playoffs and the championship happen eh, he misses a few mid-range jumpers i know that's true so i i watched this first half of the game and it was just freaking ugly we were turning the ball over like you said mikhail bridges had seven steals but these steals weren't especially like okay he had one really nice pickpocket on durant but the rest of his steals were hardened just throwing the ball away like Harden would just try to do a pass over Bridges to Durant with no oomph on the ball, and Mikhail Bridges would easily just slap it away and then have a wide open fast break. It, it just seemed, and we could talk about Harden's interview after the game. No, I know. I want to. I want to talk about it now. When you're done, we're going to talk about James Harden. We're going to get into him a little bit because he deserves it. Well, Harden to me at this point, and I think I said this to you the other day before he came out with this post game interview against the Suns. I said last time we spoke that Harden wastes so much time. He slows down transition. He slows down transition offense by 
almost opting to slow the ball down and every, let everyone settle into half-court offense, including the defense. Let the defense settle into their half-court positioning. Then he kind of decides for four or five second, seconds what he wants to do with the ball, right? And so it was like, you know, in his mind, is he going to drive? Is he going to do a pull-out and step back three? Is he going to dish and, and, and kind of do a Memphis-style offense, like a dribble drive to Durant? Harden didn't seem to know what he wanted to do with the ball at any point. And so then he came out after this Suns game when he got booed after his seventh turnover. Yeah, I think he like dribbled it off his foot, kicked it out of bounds, and the Nets booed him, what, third quarter maybe? Yep. Uh, and he, I mean, the look on his face was just like pure helplessness. He said after the game, uh, you might have the exact quote in front of you. I don't. He, he doesn't know at times whether to be a playmaker or a scorer. Right. And you could attribute that to the lack of Kyrie Irving. You could attribute that to kind of his new role as the point guard, who's also obviously the second best scorer on the team. Not sure when to do both, not sure when to distribute, not sure when to shoot. But honestly, I think that's all bullshit. James Harden is arguably a top five player in the NBA and has been for the last three to five years. Right. He is a max superstar contract guy. He averages a triple double on the Rockets. He gets a sick contract with the Nets. He's supposed to be in tangent with Kevin Durant on the best superstar filled team in the league right now in the NBA on this Brooklyn Nets team. Now he's telling me after all this experience, after everything he's done in the league, setting records, uh, you know, you know, being probably one of the world favorite athletes, he's telling me now he doesn't know what to do with the ball. He doesn't know whether to distribute. He doesn't know whether to shoot. Dude, you're a professional basketball player. Feel out the play. Okay. Feel out what did you have a one-on-one? -on -one? Is the court open? Can you create space? Can you get an open shot? Who's guarding you? Is it going to be tough to get by him? Is it a bigger guy you think you can go blow past? Is Kevin Durant hot right now? Do you want to isolate for him? You are now the point guard. You call the plays. It's not a matter of, oh, I don't know what to do. Someone tell me what to do. It's you now have to take that initiative as a leader and a veteran and a superstar to decide what, to eat, what each play is going to be. Now, I don't know internally if that's a Nash problem too, if he's not feeding Harden enough, if he's not telling him what to do in terms of running the offense, what plays, what formations. I don't think that's the case. It just seems like Harden is hesitant and unsure of his role on this team when that should not be the case. A few things, and I appreciated that rant. I think you touched on a lot of really good things there. Number one, we didn't give him a sick contract. He's still playing off his contract from Houston, and uh, the Nets can extend him this offseason. But I'm saying it is a sick He already has a sick contract. Okay. That's my point. Fine. James Harden is not playing any different of a style of basketball than he's played his entire career. James Harden's style of play is slow the pace down, get the one-on-one, -on -one, get the pick and roll, get the matchup he likes. I just think he's a step slow. I think that's really what it is. You saw it a lot in that Phoenix game. I mean, Phoenix plays with pace. They're a quick team uh, when they wanted to be, when, when they got into their half-court offense. You know, they they executed and perfected the half-court offense with the, the pick and roll, and they, they'd get the one-on-one -on -one matchup with the big man, or they'd find Aiton or McGee in the post. Um, but they were just a step quicker than Harden on virtually every single play on that game. And they showed – I saw a highlight – Harden tried to put a move on Bridges, essentially knocked him down, got an offensive foul, didn't call. They uh, wasn't called for the offensive foul, and then airballed a floater. And as he was, as he misses the shot, he pushes McGee. Like he just looks like he's a step slow, which is tough because in the beginning of the season, Nick, when we knew we weren't going to have Kyrie Irving for however long we weren't going to have him, Nets fans weren't worried because we said, "Look, we still have Kevin Durant, we still have James Harden, we're, we're still good." 
and our record, we're still first place in the East. Like you said, we're 14 and six. We have a big matchup against the Knicks later tonight on Tuesday night, you know, a Knicks team that has, has struggled, you know, uh, in the last few weeks, but recently they picked it up a little bit. So we got to test they tonight. They dropped to uh, 11 and nine, seventh in the East. But they're coming off a win against the Hawks. They beat the Hawks the other day. But my point is this, if we're not going to get the James Harden of last year, the Houston Rockets, James Harden, the guy who can put up 30, 15, 20, whatever in his sleep. If we're going to get this seven turnover, lackadaisical, careless passing, step slow, can't hit a three-pointer against this elite competition. This is the second game he's underperformed, whether against the Warriors or against the Suns. I mean, if we're going to get this James Harden, Nick, the Nets are going to be in for a tough road down the line when we have to play the Bucks, when we have to play the Heat, when we have to see the Bulls, the Hawks, the Knicks, you name it, because as great as Kevin Durant is, and he had 39 points in this loss, Nick. Let's not get it twisted. Durant is having statistically an amazing career. Him and Steph Curry, as of right now, they've each scored 544 points, I think it was. They're each averaging 28.6 points per game. They're the top scorers in the league. And the man was 13 of 28. 9 of 11 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 7 assists, 9 rebounds, did have 5 turnovers, but you know you counteract that with 39 points in 45 minutes. But he can't do it alone. And he can't do it if it's just LaMarcus Aldridge or if it's just Patty Mills. He needs James Harden to be great. He needs him to be elite. And 12, 14 assists, 13 rebounds, and 7 turnovers – And you just, a lot of, 0 of 6 from 3, a lot of his misses were momentum killers. A lot of his turnovers were after the Nets got a stop on defense. You just can't have that. So I agree. Yeah. Let me ask you this, right? Yeah. Harden is missing right now a Clint Capella type. Okay. Okay. Can Nick Claxton fill the role of the Clint Capella type? They have a similar build. I don't think he's as powerful as Capella. I don't think he's as sure-handed. But what it seems like now is Harden is used to having a seven-footer who's agile, who's mobile, who could literally drive with him every single time. Aldridge is a step slower in his career. Aldridge is a mid-range shooter. He's not really a dunker. He's not really a guy who's going to go down and, and like eight and get up, grab something, and throw it down. Is that what Harden's missing? I know it's not in the entirety of it, but is that a piece of the puzzle that Harden really needs in his arsenal? I think it can help. I think having Claxton out there to set picks for Harden, uh, get him – you know, into situations where Harden's playing the center and he can either drive past him or throw the oop up to Clax. I think that'll help. But I look at it and say, well, a few years ago when when Houston wanted to do small ball, they would put a Jeff Green at the five or they would put um, P.J. Tucker at the five. Like Harden was great with Capella, got him paid, but Harden did not need Capella to succeed. Harden never needed a big man. So I, I think he'd help, but I don't think necessarily – it's like the missing ingredient. I just think that if Harden can just stop with the turnovers, that's the, I don't care if he's a step slow, it sucks. But if he's not getting around his guy, he can still be effective in other ways. Stop with the turnovers, stop with the careless passes, um, hit a few three pointers. I know that step back is still there. He just was 0 of six in the game, hit a few shots and and stop doubting yourself. If you don't know when to pass or when to shoot, that I, I think it's bullshit, by the way. I agree with you. But then you're telling me you're not confident in what you're doing, and that's why you're catching yourself in midair. You're throwing it past your teammates. So whatever it is, would Claxton help? Sure. 
Is he the end-all be-all be all to solve all of Harden's woes? I don't think so. No, I agree with you there. I do think it'll help. Um, and I just want to say about this Nets-Suns game, which yeah. is which just proves that I don't want to put this whole loss on Harden's back. I don't. Because uh, obviously we lose as a team, we win as a team. Durant did his part. Patty Mills always does his part. Um, Aldridge, Pat- don't forget about Aldridge. Oh, Aldridge, 18. Uh, we'll get to DeAndre Beverly. One second. One yes. Second. Okay. I just want to say uh, for the people listening, stat wise, we outshot the Nets. Uh, we the Nets outshot the Suns, 50 to 44 uh, percent. We also out rebounded the Suns by six and out assisted the Suns by eight. The only category we got beaten steals, but we crushed them in blocks. The only category we really got massacred in was that turnover count. We finished the game with 20 turnovers, as I said, about seven above our average on the season. They finished with 12, and we lost by six points. I know it was kind of a, a streaky game where they'd go up like 18. We kind of cut it down to the end there and made it close. But if it wasn't for hard and leading in the way with seven turnovers and us being careless with the ball from the start, this would have been a fine game. So, yes, do I think the Suns are a more polished team right now? And would I be scared to face them in any serious game? Absolutely. But we're not far off from competing with them. We need more time to mesh. We need more time just to clean up our game. Harden obviously has to find a little bit more of his role or maybe a little more confidence, like you were saying. But I don't want people to think the Suns massacred us on every level. It was just that one category that kind of swung the other way. Well, I have a comment and then I have a question. The the funny thing is you sort of glossed over it, but the fact that Harden is the leader of this team and he's turning the ball over that many times. I mean, this is the guy that's supposed to have the best handle on the team, right? He's the best passer on the team. If you're Durant and you're Bembry and you, and you see your leader turning the ball over, that's got to kill you, right? This is your point guard. This is the guy that's supposed to handle the rock better than anybody on the team. So that does have to be sort of like a detriment. If you're a teammate like a Bembry or a Mills and you play off ball, and you see Harden just dribbling off his foot or throwing it out of bounds. That's got to be tough to watch. My question is this. You said you don't want to put the loss solely on Harden's shoulders, but if you had to give a percentage to it, what percentage would you say Harden having a bad game resulted in a Nets loss? I'd say 50%. See, I, I'd say 65, 70, I'd say 70%. Okay, I, well, I, I, would, I would put it higher, but go on. I want to comment on the leader thing you said. Okay. Harden is the leader of the team in terms of he's the one who handles the ball. Right, the right, right. The plays. But Durant, I want to say yeah, Durant is is the one that leads by example. Patty Mills is the most vocal leader as a veteran. Blake Griffin did that really well too. Obviously, he's not playing as much. But I don't – Harden to me, and this might be another issue with Harden, he isn't the Jason kid, okay? He isn't the Chris Paul. He's not going to take over the point guard position and suddenly be the guy that is motivating his teammates, that is yelling at his teammates, that is that is hyping up the team, calling the shots, being the most vocal leader. That is not Harden, nor will that ever be Harden. So, mm-hmm. yes, he's a leader in the sense that he touches the ball the most. He has to create the most. He has right. to create the most action and initiate every single play. But I don't want it to be said that he has to have more responsibility as a leader because, yes, would I like that in hindsight? Absolutely. That's not going to be his game. No, I, I, I understand that. I didn't think I was insinuating that he's the leader over Durant or the vocal leader. He's just, look, you've been on teams of point guards. The point guard needs to be the best at handling the ball. I think it's that simple. Um, all right, real real quick before we move on, DeAndre Bembry, uh, awesome in this game. 18 points. He had nine rebounds, but – just, you know, two steals, just a menace on defense, moved great without the ball to start this game. I'd like to point out, if we don't have Bembry in this one, 
this is a 20 point blowout. I, I mean, he was the only reason Harden gets the triple double because out of the 14 assists, I want to say four or five probably went to Bembry, four or five went to Durant. So, really good game by DeAndre Bembry. He has been playing some great basketball as of late. Unfortunately, Bruce Brown is, is sort of trying to be worked back into the rotation. He's coming off a hamstring injury. Uh, he suffered a few games ago, but Bembry has been great in his absence. So really like what he has given Brooklyn. Um, Aldridge had 18 points in this one. I, I mean, for the most part, he was instant off offense, eight of 12 from the field, six rebounds. Uh, but like I said, defensively, he just got destroyed by Chris Paul and Devin Booker for a majority of that third quarter. That was tough to watch. Um, and the final thing I'll say is Landry Shamit. Nice to see him play again. Eight points for the Suns, hit a few threes. Uh, it was it was funny seeing him on the other side of the ball. Um, you know, he the looks Nets, better. I'm gonna be honest, he looks better yeah. in a Suns uniform than he, he does. Did the Nets. He does. The Nets made a push in the fourth. They they turned this into a ball game, but I think KD was gassed. He missed a few mid-range shots he usually makes, and they lost this game. So, you know, and any you, final uh, comments on this game? Yeah. You know, I love Bembry's game. He's kind uh-huh. of what? Would you say a stretch three? He's long. He's like if Bruce Brown were taller and had longer yeah. arms. Yeah, he's, very I'm similar think, games. I'm trying to think of a comparison. The first thing that came to mind was like he's a much better, more polished Corey Brewer. No. He's like a long athletic finisher who can occasionally hit an open shot. What, he's a solid defender. What, what's uh, weird about Bembry is he moves great off the ball, but he's not a three-point shooter or he's not like no. – there, there aren't a lot of players like that. who He move seems well to be the in the right place at the right time, though. Right. He's a slasher. He, he's like an Iguodala on the Warriors where Iguodala is cutting and slashing. That's sort of his game. Um, The only th- – so, so I want to move on to kind of this narrative – that now takes place after every single Nets loss. And it's, oh, well, if we had Kyrie Irving, this is why we need Kyrie Irving. I'm tired of hearing it. I understand that Kyrie would help this team. I understand that, you know, if if we have another superstar, maybe we're able to withstand blowouts like, like this was for about three quarters. And maybe we're able to compete better with the Suns and the Warriors. Sure, I'm not doubting that. But to just sort of lazily blame the Nets' struggles for not having Kyrie Irving, I think it's bullshit. I think that we have enough talent on this roster to compete with the likes of the Suns and the Warriors and the Bucks and the Nuggets and the Bulls and, and all those teams that you know we consider elite NBA teams. I think we have the talent. I think that our team has underperformed in those situations. Mainly James Harden has been one of those guys who has underperformed. The only guy who you can say has showed up for virtually 98% of every single game is Kevin Durant. But outside of him, I mean, who else? Aldridge has been pretty consistent. Mills has been pretty consistent as of late. But it's, I would say Aldridge every, pretty much every game, maybe one yeah. off game in 20 games. But it's everybody else, Nick. It's, it's all these guys who can step up. I'm excited for Cam Thomas to get more time. I think he can help with this rotation. But if you're Paul Millsap, you got to do something in your eight minutes. If you're James Johnson... You have to be able to – yo, he, by the way, is a guy who pisses me off. I don't know what it is about him. He has a terrible touch around the rim. Uh, he, For some reason, Nash trusts him a lot over his young guys. I guess you, you want to play the James Johnson over the Kessler Edwards or something like that. But, man, oh, man, does he make some some bad plays on both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. He had 4,000 this morning, 27 minutes, six points for him. Um, Hold on. I, before you get to James Johnson, yeah. before we jump ship, I want yeah. to address what you said about Kyrie. 
Sure. Because yeah, I apologize. I, think, I got a little yeah. No, no, no. You're good. I, I completely agree that it's way too soon. It's a huge overreaction to say we're not losing because of Kyrie. Let's think about it twofold. We've lost six games this season. Right. All three of those losses to literally just coming out and not having the chemistry down right away, not knowing our rotations, learning who is going to step up. I'll contribute the other two losses to the Warriors and Suns. Uh, because they're absolutely elite team who have their chemistry down. They've been playing with each other for a while. Steph Curry is playing out of his mind. Devin Booker, also unbelievable player. Chris Paul at the height at that the end of his career, playing at the height of his career. So, uh, what I want to say with the Kyrie thing is, we are still learning who works with who, and we are starting to figure that out now. I think Cam Thomas, DeAndre Bembry, and Bruce Brown are what we use to supplement Kyrie Irving. Uh, sorry, and Patty Mills. I'll say Patty Mills over Brown. So I'll say DeAndre Bembry, Patty Mills. Uh, and Cam Thomas, who is now, we'll get to in the Celtics game, going to prove himself as a scorer. He's coming out there like Levert used to, right? A kind of a nobody young guy off the bench, and he wants his. He's right. getting He has all the confidence in the world. And the second thing I'll say is uh, Joe Harris is out. And so how could we say Kyrie is what we're missing when our starting shooting guard, arguably the best three-point shooter in the league, last year he was, this year he started off a little slower, but he's coming back to it is not playing. So how could we say Kyrie's the one we're missing? When That's if you fair. the Suns game, we lost that by six. Joe Harris plays. That's an entirely different game. So yeah. I don't want to sit here and say that it's Kyrie that's the issue because we are just about to hit our stride and we don't even have our starter on the team. I think that's an excellent point. And the thing, the final thing I'll say about the whole Kyrie thing is this. Would Kyrie help on the offensive James Harden struggles front? Absolutely. Can the Nets still beat teams like the Warriors, like the Bucks, and the Suns if we have Joe Harris and we have Clax without Kyrie? I really think we can. And I still believe that we can win a championship without Kyrie Irving. Do I think that this current roster can do it? I don't know. That remains to be seen. That's the thing I'm a little bit iffy on. And I what I, what I mean by that is if Sean Marks has to make a trade or two or pick up somebody in free agency in the buyout market to make this Nets team a championship contender without Kyrie Irving, I have the utmost confidence that he will do so. All right. Well, that was, that was some good Nets banter right there. Let's move on. And, and actually, my next question, and I'll just gloss over this, but basically my question was, can the Nets compete with the, the elite teams like the Suns, like the Bucks, like the Bulls? And I'll say that they can with the current roster if Harden can pick it up. If Harden doesn't pick it up, if he doesn't get back to his elite play, then Marks is going to have to make a move. Do you agree with that? I'm not worried about the Bulls, to be honest. I'm just okay, not but about do you agree with my overall notion that if Harden can get back to 25-10-10 Harden with less than three turnovers, the Nets can compete for a championship? Yes, if if he if he doesn't though, we need Cam Thomas to be the next uh, Kyrie. Irving. Or or we have to make a move on the trade market, or we have to buy someone out in free agency. That those are the only three options, right? Let's not stress and panic until we see Claxton and Joe Harris back in uniform, and well, we don't have any injuries on this team. Harris might not be back for about two months, so okay, then we're not going to panic until what fucking January or February. As long as Patty Mills keeps shooting the way he's shooting, yeah. All right, we have one more game to get to. This is actually, ironically, probably the most complete win of the Nets season early on. So it's only natural to then follow it up by getting creamed by the Suns. 123 to 104. We destroyed those pesky Boston Celtics. 
lucky that Irish clown on their uh, half court, right? Yeah, the one that who st- who stepped on it. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie. Kyrie was the one. Um, but yeah, it was a great win for the Nets. Um, I was just pumped that you know this is a team in the Celtics that had been surging as of late. I mean, Tatum's picked it up. Jalen Brown's back from injury. Schroeder's been playing well as as of late. And the Nets got a wire-to-wire victory. This was awesome in the sense that everybody on the Nets contributed. Kevin Durant, 21 points, 8 assists. LaMarcus Aldridge got his first start. This is when Nash finally wised up and said, Blake, I love you, but we're going to bench here. We're going to start LaMarcus. He's been automatic. He had 17 points and 9 rebounds in this one, 23 points on 8 of 12 from the field, 7 of 10 for Patty Mills. Seven three-pointers for Patty Mills, like your buddy said. He doesn't miss. James Harden, 20 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds for him, 8 of 9 from the line. Only three turnovers in this one for Harden. You had Bembry with 9 points, 10 rebounds. Cam Thomas came in off the bench. He had 13 points. James Johnson with 7. Paul Millsap with 3. Javon Carter with 6. And Dayron Sharp with 4 in garbage time. So the only guy on the Nets who did not play was Blake Griffin. That was a coach's decision. Everybody else got time. Um, The Nets shot the ball 50.6% from the field, 40% from three. They only turned the ball over 10 times. And defensively, I mean, they made life tough. Jason Tatum, oh, what a bad game from Tatum. 15 points on four of 16 from the field, one of nine from three-point line. Jalen Brown, we held him to 13 points. In fact, the high man for the Celtics was Marcus Smart. He had 20 on six of 14 from the field, five of five from the line. But, man, this was this was a great victory for the Nets. Nick, I, I mean, I enjoyed watching this one a whole lot. What about you? I call this one the feed the hot hand game. Oh, cool, everyone's hot. Uh, this was just literally take turns scoring. I mean, you're watching Javon Carter hit two threes. You watched Cam Thomas hit a fadeaway jumper at the shot clock buzzer with a man in his face. You watch Patty Mills, every literal part of the perimeter. Patty Mills fading into the baseline corner, pulling up with uh, Grant Williams in his face at one point, nailing a three. Patty Mills is such a fun shooter to watch. His release is so quick, and he has such a confident, pure stroke. It's beautiful. So this, to me, like you said, the most complete game we've played in terms of efficiency, field goal percentage, 50%, 10 turnovers, half the amount of turnovers we had in the next game that we lost against those Phoenix Suns. And this was literally everyone taking turns, hitting shots. Aldridge had some unbelievable, like, turn, spin, fadeaway, mid-range shots. Bembry almost had a double-double one point away. This was an all-around great performance. And what I like to say about Durant is Durant, 21-8 and eight, re- and eight assists, we didn't need him to score 30-35, right? A lot of the time we depend on getting the ball in his hands, but I think Durant had a smile on his face in this fourth quarter when every single person was stepping up and scoring. So this was an all-around great win. Celtics are a weaker team this year. Um, are they now 10-10 and 10 or 11-8, or 11-9? Or they're, they're either in seventh or eighth place tied with the Knicks, uh, but they are not looking good. I don't know why every Celtics are 11 and 10. 11 and 10. Every, they must be one spot ahead. Every trade that the Celtics do always includes Al Horford for some reason. Why is he now back on the team uh, as an old washed up big man? So listen, expected win, but it was great to see all of our uh, smaller role players step up. I also want to hit you with a fun fact. Did you know Enos Cantor? The Turkish big man is, for the Celtics is changing his name to Enos Cantor Freedom. I did know that, yes. 
uh, to address some of the issues uh, that he stands for that we won't get into. You could read more about it, but kind of a meta world peace move there. Uh, all around, nice win, fun to watch, uh, a little take with a grain of salt because it was then hard to see the complete flipperoonie against the Suns. But let's address the Blake Griffin DNP because he did not play. This was the first game against the Celtics. He didn't get one minute and he's perfectly healthy. Then he did not play one minute against the Phoenix Suns. This is what we call a coach's decision. And Steve Nash afterwards said something along the lines of, and I'll misquote him, but hey, nobody, you know, Blake Griffin, of course he wants to play. Nobody wants to see this. No, no player wants to be benched, but he understands we're trying to do what's best for the team. And we're going to keep it this way indefinitely until, you know, we feel something needs to change. Now, I, and I know you have been saying this for a while, he's been adding nothing. Is it drastic to go from starting to zero minutes? I don't think it is. I think he's been that bad that his play warranted him a few DMPs. I don't think this is the last we're going to see of Blake Griffin in a Nets uniform. Injuries happen. Spots open up. Do I think he's going to be inserted back into the starting lineup? Hell no. Do I think that there's, I mean, some time there, whether it's because Millsap's ineffective in his role, whether it's because Claxton's taking too long to get back. I, I mean, right now, Nick, it's LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap. Those are the two big men against Phoenix. We can't do that. Oh, and, and against fucking Boston. We can't do that. We can't just trot those two guys out and say this is our front court. So whether it's Claxton that comes back or Blake, you know, gets some time for Millsap, he's going to need to see the floor again. I, I do think that Nash should eventually, um, and I spoke with this, uh, I spoke with Frank Fleming on our Friday bonus episode about this. I think he should just change his role on the team. I think this is something that Blake can do because Blake wants to win a championship. Blake knows that his prime is behind him. So if you tell him, hey, man, you're going to be our eighth or ninth guy. You're going to play 10 to 15 minutes a game. We need you to draw a charge. We need you to get rebounds, maybe hit an open three, but you only have 10 to 15 minutes a game to do that. I think he would gladly do that, especially if he's not going up against the starters. Like you and I both know Blake against a backup center for the Magic is going to be a lot more successful than Blake against Jared Allen for the Cavaliers, which he got destroyed, by the way. Um, so... Yeah, I, I don't think that Blake's time as a net is done, but I think that down the line, there's going to be some type of role for him to play. And the one thing I, I'll say about him was on the bench during that Phoenix game and the Boston game, I believe he was pretty engaged. Like, he looked like he was cheering on his teammates, which is always something you like to see. Um, he's, a, he's a classy guy. He's a classy he is, guy. He, he, is, he is. He's not the guy who's going to act bitter on the bench. And I'll no. say the same thing about DeAndre Jordan. You know, he wanted out of there because he wanted to get more minutes. Obviously, he's on the Lakers now. Blake Griffin, no matter whether he stays, goes. He is a respectable uh, leader and veteran and, and overall just a good dude. And he's not going to give anybody a hard time. And, you know, like you said, if this has to be the way it is and he doesn't play for a while or, or if not ever again, if it's best for the team, it sucks because I like Blake Griffin. He's had some incredible years behind him. But sadly, they're behind him. Yeah, I agree with you. And and by the way, just to go back to your Cam Thomas uh, comment about that turnaround shot over Schroeder, that was fucking ice cold, man. That was some Kyrie Irving in your face, shot clock winding down, impossible shot bullshit. Like that Mills, was fucking Mills, cold. Mills, Aldridge, and Cam Thomas in that game against the Celtics were hitting unbelievable shots. And what I loved about all of them is the no hesitancy. These players are playing with confidence, and I got to give Nash some credit 
for holding on to Cam Thomas, putting him in the G League, letting him thrive there, kind of waiting for it, waiting for it, almost having him beg for it a little bit, having him really eager to play. He comes out here, and it was the perfect timing. And I just watched the movie King Richard, where wow. Will Smith played Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. And yes. it was super controversial because when they were uh, 10, and I want to say 10 and 14 years old, uh, he kept them, Richard Williams, against every tennis coach in the world's advice, kept them out of juniors because he wanted them to get an education first before they went pro. Juniors is basically like the amateurs. Uh, it's, the, it's the minor leagues of tennis. He didn't want them to pull them from school prematurely and kind of burn them out. And I got to attribute and make a little bit of uh, uh, give a, give a little bit of credit to Steve Nash. Obviously, not as drastic as a decision, but it's all about timing. It's about patience. He held Camp Thomas in the dugout until this is his time to come out. He comes out. He looks fresh. He looks excited. He looks confident. So I'll give Steve Nash some props and Camp Thomas even more props for just literally holding him, coming out, and looking great. What I love about this is this is just the beginning of Camp Thomas. Like we're seeing these bursts of scoring from him you know 13 against the celtics i think he had 11 against the cavaliers or or 15 but he's doing this in like 15 to 20 minutes he got 25 minutes in this game he was 0 of 6 from 3 4 of 11 from the field 5 of 6 from the line so thomas can be aggressive and the more minutes that he gets the more confident that he gets with his game the more we're going to see him and the more of an impact he's going to have on this brooklyn nets basketball team very excited for the growth of Camp Thomas. Now, before we move on, Nick, you have a quick ad read. I do. I just want to mention uh, I've been drinking slate milk. Oh. It is a 20 gram of protein, one okay. gram of added sugar, lactose free chocolate milk. Okay. It comes in classic chocolate, which is kind of a milk chocolate flavor, dark chocolate, and mocha latte, which is their caffeinated flavor with 175 milligrams of caffeine. If you go to slatemilk.com, and use code TRYIT15, you'll get 15% off your first order. It's delicious. It is the healthy, a healthier chocolate milk for a breakfast boost, anytime workout, a post or pre-workout, uh, or just a midday healthy snack. So Slate Milk, slatemilk.com, code TRYIT15. You know what, Nick? Right after we're done recording this episode, I'm going to go straight to my fridge. I'm going to get a dark chocolate slate. I'm going to pour it in a glass. I'm going to pour a little bit of coffee liqueur in there, and I'm going to have myself a delicious slate coffee cocktail. So you're going to be drinking at 4.30 on a Tuesday. We move on to who should feel worse, Knicks fans about Kemba or Nets fans about Blake? Uh, I don't know if you've heard recently, but Kemba Walker was taken out of the Knicks rotation after ineffective play over the last several games. Alec Burks was inserted into the starting role over Kemba Walker, and he will be out of the rotation for the time being. Dude, dude, I've been saying this for years. Kemba Walker is one of the most overrated players in the NBA. The only reason he got fat huge ridiculous contracts on the hornets was because the hornets stunk he's never been an efficient scorer he's just a volume shooter he is a glorified brandon jennings okay he shoots 40 percent from the field he is not clutch he had that one cool cardiac Kemba play at uconn over uh, against pittsburgh in college and that was it 
I told this, I from day one, I said to you, he is not going to do anything for the Celtics. He is not going to do anything for the Knicks. I like Kemba Walker. He seems, everyone seems to love him. He seems like a great dude. He seems like a great time. He's got a big contagious smile. He is not an important player to a championship team. He is a, I don't know what you'd call him. He's, he's, he's the Spencer Dinwiddie of the COVID bubble Nets team. He's on a, he's always going to be the guy who jumps from mediocre team to mediocre team and gets his shots up. Honestly, respect to Thibodeau of the Timsdale Thibodeaux. It's a Timmy Turner, fairly odd parents reference for benching him because I think Derek Rose is better. I think Alec Burks, although he's not a great defender, Burks is a better scorer. He's quicker. He's younger. I just overall think Kemba Walker has always been overhyped and people put way too much pressure on him to be this this guy, this, 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 you know, Tatum, Brown, and then Kemba. No, I like so who, smart more than Kemba. Who should feel worse? Knicks fans about Kemba or Nets fans about Blake? Knicks fans. Cause you expect Kemba to come be one of the best players on the team. We never expected Blake Griffin to be one of the best players on the team. We I expected did. Griffin sadly, which he wasn't able to do to be a competent big man who could hit threes. He, 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 he couldn't do it. It was a more simple role. I love Blake Griffin. Sorry. He's going to be benched. They brought Kemba Walker to New York. Because they thought he would be the guy, right? Alongside Julius Randle, I guess you'd say. Okay, I guess you'd say Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Kemba. That's what you were expecting. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be Julius, oh, R.J., and Fournier was the third guy. That was sort of the, and then Barrett would step up. I'll say Nets fans should be more upset about Blake, and I'll say what? that. Let me finish. I'll say that because the Knicks have an insane amount of depth where they can take Kemba out of the rotation. And then you still have Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, and Alec Burks. The Nets don't have the same luxury in the front court. We spent 20 minutes talking about why the return of Nick Claxton is extremely important and the fact that Millsap's been inefficient and the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge, as great as he is offensively, defensively he's a liability when it comes to switching in the pick and roll. So for me, the fact that the Knicks do have a dearth of guards at their disposal, I think that makes Kemba a little bit more – um, what's the word I'm looking for? Expendable, right? Then Blake Griffin. Disposable. I wouldn't say disposable. You're not, you can't dispose of a human <laughs> being. Um, you can. You so can. I, I would say, yeah, this isn't, this isn't good fellows. I would say Nets fans about Blake over Knicks fans about Kemba that, because, because of the amount of depth you have on that roster. All right. Next up, who should be more upset? James Harden fans or Kyrie Irving fans? I mean, Kyrie Irving fans, listen, with Harden, he's going to struggle. He's also had great games this season. He's off to a slower start than he has been in the past. But you know what Harden has that Kyrie doesn't? He's on the court, and he could get better. I thought you were going to say the vaccine. That would have been funny. You can't get better if you're not playing. So, there's listen, the Nets are 14-6. and six. I don't think any Nets fans are sitting here thinking we're doomed because Harden is playing a 6 out of 10 instead of a 9 out of 10, all right? So, it's clearly, clearly, clearly Kyrie fans are more disappointed because they can't freaking see him play. I'm going to have to disagree with you, man. Look. What are you – your takes are stupid. All, all Kyrie is doing is he's not playing – because he doesn't want to take the mandatory shot that he needs to take in order to be on the court. So for all we know, Kyrie is just as good as he was before he hurt his ankle in that Bucks series. So I can't be that upset with Kyrie if I'm a fan, because he's just doing what he thinks is right. Do I think what he's doing is right? I don't. 
but I can't hate him for thinking what he's doing is the correct course of action. James Harden, on the other hand, is a guy who has the opportunity to be a co-star or a co-leader with Kevin Durant on one of the most entertaining, talented rosters in the league in the Eastern Conference, which, let's face it, the Eastern Conference is lesser than the Western Conference right now, and he's not taking advantage of it, and he's stinking it up against elite competition. He's turning the ball over at will, and I'm sorry, but this is something that Kyrie Irving, if he's on the court, I don't think he's doing. I don't think Kyrie's turning the ball over five to seven times a game. So, yeah, Harden fans shouldn't be upset with Harden. They should be irate with him. They should be incensed with him. They deserve to be angry, a lot angrier than Kyrie Irving fans. You're an idiot. All right. We move on to the Nets-Knicks game later tonight. It is Tuesday. You are listening to this episode on Tuesday, 1130. Nick, who do we think this game goes to? It is being played in the center of Barclays or the Clays. It's the Nets. Come on. We're a better all-around team. Even if the Knicks play their best game, I just think we have more talent. We're more efficient. Uh, just go to our matchups. The only matchup I think we lose right now in that starting lineup is Randall, who's just a freak athlete. Uh, who, who can who, take... If Randall matches up with KD, then we win that. Yeah, if Randall matches up with Duran, Duran's not going to be able to guard him. If Aldridge matches up with Randall, he's not going to be able to guard him. He's the only person I think will get his. Okay, I would I would tend to disagree. Um, Randall has been eh as of late. I think this is going to be a bigger game for a guy like Evan Fournier, who fucking hates Durant. He always wants to show up against the Nets. Uh, you saw that in the series we had with the Celtics. Um, I agree with you. I think the Nets take this one. I think it's a close game. I'm going to say they win 112 to 108. What's your prediction for final score? I'm going to say we win 113 to 101. 113 to 101, 112 to 108, both Nets victories. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Nick, any final words before we head out? No, I think it's my turn to give you a song now. All right. What's the song to end it? It's um, Skyfall. Okay. Skyfall by Adele. All right. You ready? Yeah. Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. That's not our, our – it's Catch You on the Fireside. Oh, okay. Let me try again. You know what? I don't like that one. I'm going to give you a different one. That's okay. terrible. It's uh, Let the Drummer Kick, uh, Citizen Cope. Oh, oh. Okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. Catch you on the fire. Your side. Catch you on the fire. The fireside. All right. That was pretty good. That was pretty good.